you know, as as I told you before we got started, Victoria, smoking is a mandate on this show. It's not an option. I'm just joking. So I'm sparking up. Hey, you're muted. Um, you're muted. <laughs> uh, I'll have each of you introduce yourselves. Uh, ladies first. Victoria, why don't you go first and introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Victoria Williams from ACC of Illinois, ACC of Illinois Transportation, um, SBIL, and SBIL Grow, a.k.a. Starbucks. Berwin. Hello, my name is Berwin Tompkins. I am the president of IGTM Education. Also, I am part of ACC of Illinois Transportation and Chicago Cannabis Consultants. Well, thank you both for joining me. Um, I wanted to stop or I wanted to start right at the top of this show and display this message. And uh, Victoria, maybe you can read it out loud for people who are listening right now. Um, displaying my screen, I believe you should see the message right now. Victoria, why don't you take it from here? All right. Public service announcement. Now you made it too small. <laughs> Public service announcement. I am selling my ownership in Starbucks. Anyone interested in becoming a part of Starbucks Dispensary, Starbucks Craft Grow, and Starbucks Transportation, please reach out to me via, well, reach out directly to me via email. And my email address is listed below, victoria at accofillinois.com and accofillinois at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. Thank you for uh, reading that. And I guess I just want to start and give you the floor. Why are you selling your ownership? And that's the crazy thing, like how everyone blew up my inbox. And I don't know if everybody's looking for some juicy gossip or anything, but it's really simple. People are asking, why am I selling? And my answer is for the money. Nothing else. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I feel you on that. You know, it's one of the main questions that people asked when we first started legalizing it. And there were a lot of holdups because of court cases. People started to wonder, hey, maybe I should sell my, you know, stake. And some people started to ask, should they be able to do that? And the people that were thinking about it said, of course, this is my opportunity at intergenerational wealth. Why wouldn't I be allowed to sell this? Right. <laughs> So. Absolutely. It's really your preference. You know, you put in your time, your energy, your effort and your hard work. And if you choose to stay in, that's great. And if you choose to sell, that's really your prerogative. Yep. Hell yeah. Well, again, um, we will have the email address. Uh, the email address is listed in the podcast description. If you're interested in ownership in a dispensary, a craft grow and a transportation license, reach out. <laughs> And uh, yeah, start the conversation. Um, I'm curious. So remind me, Starbuds does have a storefront open, correct? Um, but the other correct. things may or not may but not be functioning just yet, right? No, all of these businesses are functioning businesses. Uh, we opened the Craft Grow and cut the ribbon on. We were the first Craft Grow to open in the state of Illinois in October of 22. Um, in October 22, we were the first to oh, cut the ribbon, first to operate. And on the January 4th, we opened the dispensary. 
in Burbank, Illinois, um, located 7844 South Cicero. Um, shortly thereafter, February 23rd, I launched the product Caviar um, out of our craft grow. Um, that's what pretty much people who actually uh, refer to me as Caviar because they remember me being the first person who launched the actual product to the Illinois cannabis market as a social equity applicant as a Black woman. Um, no Black women in this state has launched a product as of yet as I that I know of. Um, I sold out of caviar in the first seven days of us launching a product, um, really worked really hard with a lot of different dispensaries, building relationships, building partnerships, um, a lot of brand recognition, you know, just the overall team player and getting that product out there for the world to, you know, see. Yeah. Now I've, traveled to Colorado a few times and I recognize both the names Starbuds and Caviar. Do you have any ties to Colorado at all? I personally don't have ties to uh, Colorado. Well, let's see. I was doing tours in Colorado um, mm -hmm. called dispensary training tours. And so I felt that there was a need for people during the application process in Illinois to understand, you know, what it actually takes to operate cannabis businesses. And so I created what was called a dispensary training tour. And Starbucks was one of the first dispensaries that I partnered with in Colorado to allow social equity applicants to go behind the scenes of the dispensary and behind the scenes of the processing facility <clears throat> And that tour eventually grew with other dispensaries who allowed us to come into their grow and their processing facilities and their dispensaries as well. And the purpose of that tour was to give people a full scope of what it takes to operate these businesses. And also so they can make informed decisions as it relates to what license they should apply for. Because it's did I lose you guys? going to get this recording started again my zoom crashed uh technical difficulties my apologies uh we were talking you were talking about colorado and how you had given last i was hearing you're talking about uh colorado and how you had given social equity licensees an opportunity to see behind the scenes and that's about where i lost you okay so basically um i partnered with several companies in colorado to take social equity applicants behind the scenes of dispensaries, behind the scenes of processing facilities. They call them METs in Colorado, but you can actually see the extraction being done. You can actually see the BHO extraction machine and talks to the people who are operating those machines. Um, you can see um, moon rocks being made and pre-rolls being made. Like you literally go behind the scenes and see all aspects of the business. And the purpose of that was to so people can make informed decisions 
when it came to applying for whatever license they had planned to apply for in the state of Illinois. Um, and so that's basically what it was, taking them behind the scenes and, you know, behind the scenes of the grow. We had, um, I have a company out there that let us go inside their grow, their vertically integrated dispensary, and it has everything, you know. And so pretty much that was the start of my relationship with Starbucks was me doing actual tours in Colorado. Um, however, the entities in Colorado are separate entities from Illinois. Got it. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, well, cool. Uh, so is there anything else, I guess, on the subject of selling ownership before we go over to the transportation uh, lawsuit case, which I'm sure we're both excited to talk about or we're all excited to talk about? <laughs> um, as far as the selling the ownership, it's, it's pretty just cut open and closed, you know? Yep. It's nothing, no big controversy behind it. I'm making a decision to sell my entrance. Uh, interest to the company and the company has the rights to buy me out first. And if they don't decide to buy me out first, then whoever else that decides to buy me out, that opportunity exists. Super cool. Super cool. Well, Hey, I wish you the best of luck as you uh, pursue this path. Um, I know that it's probably not the easiest thing. That's, so that's why I wish you the best of luck. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Berwin, you know, it's funny we got connected. I just saw you in this piece. Let's watch the video first so we can give our listeners some background and, uh, then we can take it from there. Does that sound good? Awesome. It's smoky over there, Berwin. <laughs> I was going to say, you need some ventilation, Berwin. Hazed <laughs> out. Might be a dirty camera. Look. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here, I'm going to start this video for us. in a vehicle with cameras. Well, now to a story you'll only see on CBS2. This is how you're legally supposed to transport marijuana in Illinois, in a vehicle with cameras, GPS, and no rear windows or markings. But illegal deliveries are reportedly happening by those who are not following the rules. In fact, more than a dozen licensed cannabis transporters are now suing the state of Illinois. CBS 2's Charlie DeMar is live in the control room with the story. Charlie. And Joe and Erica, those licensed transporters say those images that you just saw are evidence of illegal transports. And without regulation and enforcement from the state, they say there really is no incentive from dispensaries and growers to use those licensed transporters. This camera's mounted in inside here. Noberto Brown has poured thousands of dollars into his truck. This is to accommodate all the products that will require refrigeration. He intended to legally transport marijuana throughout the state. So we have to do all these steps and then for us to come up zero. You haven't made a delivery with this truck? haven't made one delivery at all. Brown was one of the first to get a cannabis transporter license. He custom fit his truck to follow state guidelines. There's no back windows. It's equipped with cameras, GPS, and other safety features. Wow, like we were just blown because 
we doing all this stuff to become compliant. Transporter Berwyn Tompkins blown away over these pictures that he says prove marijuana transportation laws are being skirted with no consequence, like this minivan apparently delivering cannabis and another drop off allegedly by a company without an operational license in a vehicle with rear windows. We do think it is a resource issue. Attorney Ryan Holes filed a lawsuit against the Illinois Department of Agriculture on behalf of 13 licensed transporters, accusing the state of failing to enforce its own rules surrounding cannabis transportation. You basically get the market undercut and the transporters who are compliant just really don't have any chance. We're bleeding money trying to stay afloat. I can't keep paying the licensing fee every year to, to make zero zero sales. Are you optimistic that things will change, that you, know, that you can stay in business? I'm not optimistic at all. And those pictures you saw were entered as evidence in that lawsuit that was filed. And we asked the Department of Agriculture if they have issued any citations to transporters or for illegal transport, transportation in the state at all. A spokesperson declined to comment, citing that pending litigation. We are live in the control room. So um, that's the story. We saw our friend Berwin in that one. Um, either one of you, thoughts? Um, this is the same, even just watching it. I mean, I know I'm in a story, obviously, but just a person watching it, um, it's still just shocking to see the, the differences in the pictures as far as what um, the licensed people are supposed to have in it, as opposed to the pictures that you see of what's actually going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Victoria, any thoughts on any thoughts that uh, Berwyn didn't mention? Absolutely. Um, here's the thing. The lawsuit was our final course of action. You know, is you know, the thing is, we have tried to work with the state and come up with an amicable solution to a lot of the things that the transporters were experiencing. And even before this, you know, if we go back a little bit, when we applied for these transporters licenses, we applied under the terms that we will receive contracts from cultivators, right? And because it took them so long to actually grade our applications, the cultivators were given licenses. So that immediately had an impact on our business because we apply for a license under the assumption that we will be transporting for cultivators. And after they were granted licenses, there was absolutely no incentive for them to do business with us. And on top of the fact of it not being any incentive for them to do business with us, they're transporting in U-Haul vans, PT cruisers, the whole nine yards. Whereas I spent $60,000 on a vehicle and you know unlike others we don't have money and investors and things like that it's just us and so we're pouring out our entire savings into a company into a business into this state under the assumption that the cannabis programs was going to enrich our lives and and be better for our families and it has been nothing but a hindrance to our families so you know, seeing people pull up with vehicles and their cousins' vehicles and soccer mom vans and 
things like that is disheartening when we have to follow rules. And people know as African-American, especially, and I don't really like speaking for Black men, but I've never been incarcerated for cannabis. I've never been incarcerated for anything, actually. But we all know that Black men were the most impacted by the war on drugs. The numbers are there. They have the data. And yet these Black men are out here constantly begging for a transportation contract. You know, like, come on now. And it's not even like you have to give them so much work. It's literally, it's, it's, it, I hate talking about it because it's like, it's ridiculous how greedy some of the people that are part of the problem is being as it relates to this. So we have no options but to sue the state because this is the state's program. They supposed to control it. They supposed to make sure people are following the rules. They supposed to make sure that the rules are the same for the social equity applicants and the non-social equity applicants. We should not be adhering by two separate rules because if that was the case, I would have never had to buy a $60,000 vehicle, have doors put on it to make, right. you know, crates put in it, cameras put in it, GPS put in it, you know, like we would have never had to do those things, but that was what was put in the law. And if we were transporting it any other way, other than what's, what the law states, we will face serious consequences. Right. And everybody know why. Right. Yeah. I'm going to put my opinion that the rules are stupid. I'm going to put that to the side and just say that everybody should, what you just said is I agree with everybody should, even though the rules, I might think they're stupid. We should all be playing by the same rules. Right. Right. Correct. Not, not one rule book for one group of people and one group for another group of people. Correct. Correct. Right. So, and the reason I, I just wanted to get that out of the way before I stated my opinion, we've had license holders on the show, Portia Mittens. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with her, um, but she talks about her experience in uh, Oregon, which is a different state than ours. It has a lot of different regulations, but I mean, she just put the weed in her front seat and drove it to the dispensary. That was as long as you could safely transport it. That was the rule. And so that's uh, if people were wondering why I think our regulations are stupid, that's why, because it's proven to be it, it can be done without all the shit you had to pay for. Right. But yeah. it's not but it's not but it's not safe. And that's 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 the issue. Right. So the, pro the program was predicated on it's supposed to be the safest, most compliant state uh, in cannabis. And so when we're talking about throwing something in somebody's seat, things of that nature that people are actually consuming, that's a health risk. And that's why, you know, the rules were set up the way it is. Now, when we're talking black market or things of that nature, it doesn't really matter. But now when we're talking about product, that's like throwing somebody cheeseburger on the seat well, and dropping it off. <laughs> right. Well, so since you brought up like dangerous substances, I want to show you um, and just for folks that may not be aware uh, this report, which kind of proves your point on how strict our regulations are. So uh, it's this is a three minute video and then we'll jump right back into this conversation. I think you'll like this one. Okay. Very tight rules for how cannabis can be transported and delivered. In fact, those rules are stricter than the federal guidelines for opioids, the most abused <laughs> drug in America. Here's the story from Phil Rogers. We have more to grab? 
Yeah. We're at a distribution center for Cresco Labs in suburban Chicago. And what these workers are loading 3365 is one of the most tightly controlled cargoes in America. The cargo is legal cannabis, at least legal in the eyes of the state of Illinois. But the rules for how it's transported are spelled out in pages of state regulations. Security is aware of every shipment that goes out, where it's heading, what time they should arrive. That security actually starts all the way back when the cannabis plants are grown. Each plant receives its own barcoded number. And those numbers follow the plants and their products through processing here at Cresco's suburban facilities, all the way through packaging, transport, and delivery to dispensaries statewide. Correct. And we refer to it as seed to sale. Illinois law requires cannabis transporters to move their wares and vehicles where the products are locked tight in a separate compartment. Then there's a second set of locked doors outside. The trucks can't be marked. And at least one crew member has to stay in the vehicle at all times. What is this? This is our um, tracking software platform. Cresco's fleet is monitored in real time. Onboard cameras provide a view inside and outside the trucks, and GPS will alert the company if the truck tries to cross state lines. We know exactly where they're at at all times. But there's a bit of irony here. Remember, in the eyes of the federal government, cannabis is still illegal. But the Illinois guidelines for transporting pot are much stricter than the federal rules for moving much more dangerous drugs. It was very casual. Um, all of the product would go into my personal vehicle in a, just a standard Coleman cooler. Cresco's logistics manager, Joseph Franks, told us he used to work for a major hospital transporting everything from chemotherapy drugs to prescription painkillers. Where would it be in the car? It would be in my back seat. The DEA's position on moving even the most abused drugs in America, opioids like OxyContin, is that licensees are responsible for getting them where they are supposed to go. The federal regs say all applicants and registrants shall provide effective controls and procedures to guard against theft and diversion of controlled substances. We do have uh, millions and millions of controlled substances that are moved through this system through the mail, through UPS, through FedEx. Former DEA agent Jack Teitelman now works as a consultant on compliance with drug regulations. If you decide that you know your your method of distribution is on the back of a bicycle and a, and a on a backpack because that fits into that neighborhood and you've never had an issue, then that might be the correct way of of making that delivery into that neighborhood. Twenty eight eleven. That is not the case with marijuana in Illinois. Illinois is the most heavily regulated state that we operate in. Heavily regulated and lucrative, with nearly $1.8 billion in sales since it was legalized in Illinois just two years ago. Phil Rogers. So, um, I wanted to play that um, really quick before I get back to your point, Berwin, about, and it's kind of the point they just ended on, which is that it's the most regulated market in the state. Um, either of you, do you feel that they mi they missed anything? Cause they mentioned the two locks. They mentioned the, the GPS and the cameras, but that one guy the in the report, what's that? They mentioned the markings, no markings on the vehicle. Oh yeah. No markings on the vehicle. Uh, they didn't mention the no windows. They did not mention the no windows, but that was mentioned in the other report we watched. The other thing that was mentioned in the report we watched was the guy added a refrigeration unit, which I think is pretty goddamn costly. I'm talking like yeah, 
I don't know, 20,000, maybe $15,000. And that, I don't even yeah. know. I'm not even in that. Yeah, market. he did. He paid 20,000 for that. There you go. I've never even paid for anything like that. And that was just pulled that number out of my ass. Anyways, um, is there anything they didn't mention that is costly? Like what we just talked about just for the sake? Yes. Of, yeah. Yes. The insurance. Oh, insurance. What's, what's the requirement? there? Right. So, they they really didn't set a lot of the issues with the program is they didn't set parameters for these type of things. So as far as the insurance, the cargo insurance is just predicated on what you negotiate. So you may have a hundred thousand dollars, you may have a half a million dollar uh, cargoes just predicated on who you're servicing. Gotcha. Insurance. Anything else that that's especially like burdensome or costly? just for the sake of, like I say, full clarity in the conversation. Cause most people don't um, know about this stuff. You know, you guys are the ones that yeah. have to pay for it and know about it. Right. So gotcha. I would say that's, a, that's about it. As far as getting into the, like we got into it because of the cost, the um, entry level, it was a lower entry level barrier as far as cost and as far as uh, knowledge of getting into the industry. So um, that was the, the reason we even entered into that particular space. Yeah. Now, I want to get back to that line that you said before we watched that video. You said it wouldn't be safe. Do you believe that? Or are you mm -hmm. saying that because of the rules? Because I think that like the DEA's position is you can just ride it on a bicycle, well, like they said, you know? I got you. Yeah. Um, well, I'll say that just off of what we're saying, right? Um, if we look at the entire supply chain, right? And that's that's what we're really looking at is the supply chain. If the the cultivators are the ones that are growing it and transporting it. And they're the people that own a dispensary as well. How safe and regulated is their product? How regulated is their product, first of all? <laughs> That's the first thing. So yeah. what happens is the transporter does supply a, a layer of security, right, and protection for the state, at least in the transportation aspect of it. When there's nobody checking anybody, there's no checks and balances, you're going to have obvious issues. You're going to have probably black market product. You're going to have all different type of things happening on the black market um, as, a, you know, as it pertains to cannabis. So these are just different protections for the public health for it could be an employee mad, mad at their employee, you know, their employer and do something to do something to the cannabis. So you. Oh bad cannabis yeah yeah um uh sorry i thought i just lost you there for a second if especially you heard at cost especially at the cost I mean, this is not a cheap you know cannabis in illinois is not cheap so when we're paying that price you're paying for certain protections it's not they're just not just being taxed for cannabis for no obvious reasons but you're paying for protections you're paying for the safety of consuming safe cannabis allegedly supposed to be safe cannabis non-contaminated cannabis cannabis with no bugs in it cannabis you know i know everybody looks at potency but let's look at the safety aspect of cannabis too because a lot of people take it for medicinal reasons so the safety of it the quality of it actually knowing what we're having and then the fact just the purity fact that it's only been legal for three years so they don't even have the research as far as medically or anything we're not allowed to make any medical claims in the industry so off the off the sheer fact they don't have enough research or information so you want to have everything as controlled as possible, even down to notifying somebody. You have to be able to notify people quick because the simple fact is they're consuming these products. Yeah. 
And I certainly think that's a benefit to regulating it is that you've got this like chain of custody custody. Um, and if like something happened with the product, a, uh, a recall could be issued, for example. Unfortunately, Illinois law actually protects most operators against recalls and transparency on that, but we won't get into that. Uh, but, but to your point, it, I, I see what you're saying. Um, and the whole chain of custody idea is like there, are, there can be benefits to it because of like, like you're saying with, with respect to public health. I forgot something that Victoria said earlier that I wanted to make sure to clarify because I feel like I knew what she was talking about, but maybe our listeners didn't. And this is an important point I feel like you made, uh, Victoria. Um, you said that the the original licensed operators got their transport licenses on day one. Would I be correct to understand? Like, So they had already medical licenses to transport. That's how they were doing it. But we're, what you were saying is on day one, they also were able to, to transport to any adult use dispensary. That's what you were saying, right? No, so when we applied for our transporters um, license at that time, mm -hmm. current cultivators did not have a license to transport cannabis. Oh, they were given those licenses after we applied for our licenses. Yeah, yeah. I know you're looking like shocked, but this is what happened, and it immediately, um, you know impacted our business before it even started because right. they were given those licenses without a sunset date. So it would have been different if, you know, KPMG was taking too long to grade the applications. And so they were given a temporary license to transport until the third party transporters came online. But that wasn't the case. They were given a license with no sunset date Therefore, there was absolutely no reason for them to contract third party transporters to do anything for them because they can do it themselves. Mm -hmm. And that way they will save costs. You know, they don't have to worry. They, you know, and pretty much they was transporting it in U-Haul vehicles. I had a cultivator that reached out to me for transportation services was the reason why I ended up spending that $60,000 on that vehicle because we thought that we were getting ready to transport cannabis. And we went back and forth and meeting after meeting. This person was asking me, you know, how many vehicles we have. And, you know, we asked them, what are they currently using to transport cannabis? And they told us U-Haul vehicles. And I'm looking like, what? And so eventually we never, because at the end of the day after all of these meetings they basically said we're simply not ready to do business with third party transporters and that's what impacted our business when the governor gave them permission to transport after taking in all the application fees for those licenses thank you for for breaking that down i did not know that so you definitely saw you were reading my face right i wasn't aware that this is something that had happened so many people are not even our elected officials some of but them it was, say it, it was during covid so so we clear the reason it was granted was due to covid okay. um and it was supposed to be looked upon i guess as a temporary solution but in the in the um in the law 
it was a date that it was supposed to have been turned over. And then they, like I said, they granted that license. So when we talk about those licenses, so it's, cl it's clear, it shows that they have the same exact license that we have. Mm -hmm. So when you're saying a transporter and it looks like people are transporting, they, they are, they have the same license. Um, it's not many actual third-party transporters. So that's one of the reasons we wanted a third-party transporter designation so that people can know who are the ones that are actually transporting and who are not. Sure. Yeah. And to your point, Victoria, I don't see any of these companies changing their mind on this. I mean, it's written into their business plans that they prefer to be vertically integrated. Why would if if you if you involve somebody else that takes away your vertical integration? You know what I mean? So. It's a business. Yeah. And then it will also ask them to pay us, you know, then they will they will have to pay for that service. So to them keeping the work in-house, they're not necessarily paying whatever the cost is for transporters. Yeah. And it's so crazy because some of them don't even ask us what the cost is. You know, they just say they're not ready to do business with third-party transporters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, real few things before we wrap up. Uh, I wanted to just quickly bounce back to the the idea that we were talking about with with strict regulations and everything else, Berwin. I wanted to be clear that I wasn't coming at you. I understand what you were saying. Like these are the rules and regulations, and that's why I was saying, even though I might disagree with them, I agree with what you guys are saying that everybody should play by the same rules. There shouldn't be one set of rules for one group and then another set for another group. Um, that said, I want to just briefly return to the idea that I'm sorry for getting on my soapbox, but I do think the rules are stupid because on one hand, the law and the way that we got to where we are today is we're saying cannabis is safe. It's not dangerous. You can't die from it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then on the other hand, we're saying you need to have it under locked key. You need to regulate it like it's nuclear waste. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what is it safe or is it does it need to be? It's like I get confused, you know? Well, part and part of it's economics as well. Um, all of the states that uh, they don't have, they have chain of custody issues. All of their businesses have declined. So when you look at Colorado, you look at um, uh, was it New Mexico, Oregon. Oregon, Washington, anywhere where they're growing outside, where the chain of custody is loose, all of their markets are almost depleted. So, so a lot of this stuff, the the control. The control of it is going to keep the business alive. You know, it works. You know, the security is one one aspect of it. The protection of the market is another aspect of it. Uh, controlling, you know, controlling the market to make sure that social equity people benefit. You know, all of these things kind of supposed to work together and be the reason why it's like this. Yeah. Um, so uh, really quick note that I just thought was interesting i literally noticed this this morning we since we were talking about transportation and everything i just found it interesting that it seems like those pictures and i'm gonna i paused it on the report here it seems like those pictures and i'm just be curious am i correct in saying this one at least is at the green rose yeah that's at green rose is that what's this one do you know that's Starbucks in burbank Starbucks, gotcha 
Um, and that's actually the other question I was going to ask. I saw the the story on the Chicago Tribune, which I didn't realize this from watching the story we watched earlier. The very end of the Chicago Tribune article says the suit also accused Star Grow Illinois, which operates Star oh. Breads, of transporting its products to a dispensary before yes. it became operational. Correct. I didn't even I'm realize. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, so, yes, bro, that's where's the end of it? That, that's at the end of the article. So um, so everyone understands. And so we have clarity on that. When you do uh, win a license in the state of Illinois, that doesn't mean that uh, you can perform transportation. You are awarded that particular license and you're able to print out and have that particular license, but you may not be active, right? So for example, on the website, Department of Ag, they have a list uh, if you're active as a transporter, right? So I had his list here, did a board for everybody. And this list all the transporters that have a license in this state. On this chart here, it has what's called operational listed on there. Starbucks, as of that date that these offenses occurred, did not have an operational license. So that's SBIL here, sorry. Put my finger there. That's SBIL. Right. Right. At that particular time, they were not operational. They, they were not supposed to be transported. This is from the state's website. Right. So ACC of Illinois, that's us. Right. We're here at the top. That's uh-huh. in green. As you can see, we're listed. And we had a little X there that says we're operational. So they may be listed now. It's operational now. But at that particular time, uh, we did check and they were not listed as operational. So, yes, they would be able to show anybody a license, but it's conditions to these licenses. That's why they have conditional licenses. There's things, you know, inspections and things of that where you become operational. So that was the issue. What we're saying is you have companies that are not operational transporting. They're using the word operational for a reason. We're marked as operational. Uh, Starbucks at that time was marked as not operational. And that was the asset that we sent to the state. Why are you designating people operational if somebody on the list is not operational and they're clearly transporting? That was our issue that we said as far as the compliance with the state of Illinois. Gotcha. Thank you for clarifying but, that. But let me let me say something about that because I am a part of Starbucks, Illinois. So when you have people at the Illinois Department, they can operate, are operating then who does that ownership becomes? That becomes the state, right? If if someone at the state tells me, hey, you can do this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stay out of that particular fight because at the end of the day, I do believe that we're operating by two separate rules and the state is making us comply, pay these fees and do all of these things without fitting our vehicles and not making other people do the same things and outfitting their vehicles. Yeah. And um, uh, I just have to say and, again, I agree. The two rules thing is bullshit. Go ahead, Berman. Yeah, and, then, and also the other part of the of the lawsuit that's in there is a, it's a manifest. So on these manifests, vehicles listed, the people driving the vehicle is listed. So we saying is how is the state allowing, right? They're getting the paperwork, have access to all the manifests they want us to keep for years. 
They want us to keep all this paperwork for years. We have to have a file cabinet specifically designated for these manifests in our office. So how is all of this happening and the state of Illinois, you know, is, is standing by and they're not doing anything about it. And that's why our issue and our complaint is with the state of Illinois. Gotcha. Um, Victoria, uh, my my apologies. Were you going to say something? My screen froze and it looked like you were about to say something. No, but we'll okay. handle it. Cool. Cool. Just making sure. With Zoom, sometimes I cut... I talk over people and I don't intend to it's just tough to read each other via zoom you know um no it's okay well cool we're about at the top of our time Berwin um I want to return to the idea again of <laughs> control and everything else you brought up Oregon so I've actually interviewed this guy before uh, I asked him about this exact moment I want to play this and then I want to get your thoughts on on what he says because he talks about exactly what you brought up with respect to Oregon and all these other states right so <laughs> sorry quick background this is the head of the regulation body for oregon cannabis and liquor okay okay so <laughs> do you look back at it and think maybe we should have put some caps on production or on the licenses you know, my job's not to second guess that. I'm just the administrator. But if you're asking me, uh, I, I don't think so. Everyone just wanted to be the first in to have their stake in it. And they were willing to take the risk to be a part of that market. So I don't think that's necessarily bad. And in a control market, they'd be left out. They'd never get that chance. What do you think about what he just said there in a, in a you know, I, I understand you just laid out the control or the, like a controlled market will allow businesses to survive. Mm -hmm. But but what do you think about the idea that he ended there with that not everybody gets a chance then? I mean, in any business, I don't think everybody, everyone doesn't get a chance to be a doctor, right? Unless you do some things to become a doctor. So it's different things that you have to become a criteria to. And I think when it comes to cannabis, people think because it's you can put it in the ground and grow it that it's a simplistic business when in fact it's one of the most complicated businesses um, in the United States. So everyone won't have access without having the proper knowledge, the proper funding, right? Like people need to fully understand this particular business is not for everybody. Um, everybody can participate in it, obviously from a consumer standpoint. But when it pertains to ownership in these in these companies, you battling, you know, Fozzie's MSOs, you're battling people that come from elite colleges. You know, this is not this is a very competitive uh, business, almost like basically like almost the NBA or something like this. Very competitive. So I think um, that's something that people don't. I think people kind of downplay the business of cannabis and don't realize the serious nature of the business of cannabis. I agree with you that it is serious business, but like he, like he said, at least you could have the opportunity to take that risk, you know? Um, and like with the NBA, you're mm -hmm. right that the cream of the crop gets there, but everybody still has a chance. I mean, my chance was not, <laughs> I did not have a high chance. But we, we have a, <laughs> we have a, we have a chance here. Um, and, and Victoria is, is one of the people that's proof of she got into cannabis she partnered with the right people. They went through a license appear, which in, involved a lottery, right? Yeah. So every, when she went through a process to be in this business, to be uh, in the space in, that she's in. 
so everybody, you know, it's taken different paths, but it's, it's earned. But it just uh, seems like cannabis, the industry of cannabis is unique in that they welcome. And like you just said, you like really value the limitations on licenses. And I don't see that in the restaurant industry, for example, like nobody helped with the fucking restaurants over COVID. We all agree that they should have gotten help, but they, they didn't. Yes. And we all accept the fact that 80% of restaurants go out of business in the first five years. The tech mm-hmm. industry, you can open a fitness gym or something, but good luck keeping it open with places like Planet Fitness and all these other corporate things. You know, the retail industry, good luck opening up a small grocery store because of Walmart, but you can. Like nobody's telling you you can't. And I look, right. I want to be clear. I want to be very clear. I'm I apologize for like laser focusing on this, but the mm-hmm. my issue with it is that it seems like the way that we enforce these regulations, hear me out, this is the big issue, is through the continued criminalization of cannabis. It's not like if I get pulled over with this jar of weed, with like a bunch of weed or whatever, and they're not going to be like, and let's say I was selling it. I'm going to go to jail. It's not a simple fact of like, so the case that we just talked about, um, I could be wrong. Bronin has reported on this in the past. I believe you just get a citation and a fine from the state. I wish we had that options as as citizens and we don't. And that's like my issue with license limitations is that it seems like the enforcement mechanism is the police. I mean, they are. I mean, that's that's part of it. They, they are, but as we coming over, when we talking about, right, we got to look at the reality of what's going on, right? We're bringing something that's, it, that was illegal, right? And it's federally illegal currently, right? That's the, our reality. We're now educating people that there were some people that are clearly against cannabis, right? We're educating people and, and bringing people into normalizing cannabis. Through normalizing the cannabis, then you're going to get the laws and the legislation and get the businesses. But right now they operate off what, what they believe that they know. I think that laws and, and people will evolve, but the unique situation here is that we're moving something that was illegal to into the legal market so i don't think like when alcohol came about i don't think the first two years was smooth i'm sure it was all you know like we go through historically things that occurred a lot of it's probably a lot of hiccups a lot of things you know were going on um and it's the same thing you know with this it, it, it's just going to evolve because of the space that is moving from yeah and to your point um because I've asked Shaleen title uh, this it's kind of a similar question because I point to the cannabis regulation and tax act. And I, and I talk about those things and I say, if our goal was to address social equity, then we failed because the cycle continues. That's what I say. Right. Absolutely. But <laughs> the whole program is a failure. But to your point, um, what Shaleen said is, um, you know, it's not like any single civil rights issue has ever been uh, solved the single signing of a bill, single wave of the hand, think slavery, think everything, you know, that we've gone through, like we still deal with those effects to this date. And to your point that you brought up, Berwin, um, I still think it's bullshit the where we stand. But to your point, prohibition ended. Well, when did prohibition end? Hold on a second. Prohibition for alcohol ended when I'm too high. I can't think of it. December 5th, 19th. 33 they voted to repeal prohibition now check this out it wasn't until 1978 that the legalization of home brewing happened so, so we talk 
So this is a different example of where 40, something 40 became years. legal, but it became 40 years afterwards until you could brew it at home. I complain about the home grow laws here all the time, but uh, you know what I mean? You brought up a good point. So I wanted to prove your point. Um, that I appreciate some, that. <laughs> yeah. Some of the things that, that happen, uh, it's like baby steps, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm glad you're picking up what I'm putting down and thank you for humoring me on that conversation. Um, I know we said we'd only take an hour. So um, I apologize for going over our, our time slot here. But, I'm a uh, fan of the show. I told you. Yeah, well, you're, both of you are welcome back on any time, um, just so you know. Just holler at me. Um, I hope Definitely. that I hope that the platform helps Victoria. Did anything that I said uh, either just now or earlier in the show that you wanted to address or anything maybe that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about before we go? Um, I'd appreciate um, my people's support um, on lawsuit. Um, and what we're asking for is for the state to enforce its laws and make people comply to the laws that they set out. Um, so, and everybody follow the stories and just support uh, the social equity transporters. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Victoria. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> that's nice. Uh, but look, my closing statement. Um, well, since listeners want to know, I am hosting a responsible vendor training slash hiring event on this Sunday, May 21st. It is in Aurora. It is for two dispensaries. One dispensary is opening in Aurora, and they're looking to fully staff that dispensary. And then the other dispensary is opening in, I don't want to say the city name because I'm not I don't want to say the wrong city name, but it's for two dispensaries. And then there's also two infusers that are hiring as well. One infuser is operational and one will be opening and coming online early June. So they're hiring for positions right now. And also transportation, our company, ACC of Illinois Transportation, we are accepting applications because we still want to be able to offer opportunities to people in the cannabis community to grow. So any any way that we can help in this um, effort to move this industry forward, we are. And we're still here to support any programs and anything that people want to do in this industry as well. I, I don't look at this lawsuit as a negative, although some people do. Um, it's part of business. And so as long as we consider this business and not personal, we can continue to function and grow together in this cannabis community. And just to, sorry, uh, Victoria, just to clarify, because I totally forgot that that I learned this literally during this show. Um, and I just wanted to give you an, like the opportunity to clarify what your, the stake and everything that's going on, that doesn't have anything to do with this lawsuit or anything. You're not, because I just- I just realized that Starbuds was in this lawsuit. So you leaving, does that have anything to do with this lawsuit or? I'd rather not say. Okay. All right, Victoria. Well, um, no problem. Berwin, Victoria, I appreciate you both for coming on. Um, Again, you're always welcome here. You got, well, you've got my contact information, Victoria. I'll have to hook, uh, maybe you send it to Berwin. Um, so that you guys can both get in contact with me anytime. 
Um, and I want to say, Berwin, thank you again for the kind words. I think you mentioned it on air, but you definitely mentioned it before we got on the show. Thank you for yes. saying you're a fan of the show and for checking it I'm out. I'm a big Seriously. fan. It means a lot Huge to me. Huge fan. <laughs> Fan. Yeah, he, he told me that some, when I told him, I said, hey, some, we got, got a two o'clock podcast. He's like, oh, I like him. He's funny yeah. as shit. I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you got some merch? I can hook Is you up with some merch. I can hook oh, you up. Oh, yes. Let's hook it up. Let's do some. Let's go. Cool. <laughs> cool. Well, hey, uh, folks, we hope you found this conversation as insightful as I did. I'll see you in the next episode. Take care. <laughs>